So we are uh, in continuing our series called Be Strong, uh, Standing Your Ground When the Enemy Strikes. And if you are new with us and uh, haven't heard, you're kind of entering in the middle of the movie, <laughs> but you can go back at trinityhudson.org and all the messages are online. And uh, this whole series, the whole idea of this series is the truth that in your life, in my life, whether you know it or not, you are in a spiritual battle. There's this thing called the spiritual battle that happens, and it's not waged on the public battlefield. It's not in the physical world. It's a battle that is constantly happening behind the scenes, behind you. It's against the spiritual forces of the dark world. And the Apostle Paul uh, wrote a book, wrote a lot of books in the New Testament, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus about this battle, and he wants to encourage them in the fight, the Christ followers of the, the church that he's, that he's writing to, kind of like he's, and it's like he's encouraging us. It's sort of like a football coach standing on the sideline, and he's shouting plays in and sending in, in the guys and sending the plays out into the battlefield. And that's what Paul is doing for us. Possibly uh, around 60 A.D. is when Paul is writing, and possibly he's in prison. Um, there's some back and forth on that. But he's in, he's in prison, and like all preachers and teachers, he's looking for an illustration. You know, when I, when I was first starting this preaching thing, my kids were awesome. You know, they were little ones at that point. They run around, and kids, I don't know if you know it, but you guys, we laugh at you all the time, behind your backs, just being frank. Uh, but, you know, my kids are running around as they're younger, and I, I, and I use them in illustrations. As they got older, they, they didn't do these cute little things anymore, and I'm like, God, guys, I got to preach Sunday. Do something. Go play in traffic or something. I need an illustration. So it's kind of how Paul is, and he's looking around, and, he, and God gives him this idea that he's looking at these Roman soldiers that are clad from head to toe in an armor, in this thing that protects them, and part of the, one part of the armor that is an actual offensive weapon. And so he writes uh, Ephesians six thirteen, and we've seen this verse before, put on your full armor of God, because he's talking about that battle. And he wants us to then step into that battle. And how does God arm us for the battle? Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, church, with the belt of truth. We talked about these the last couple of weeks. The belt of truth buckled around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in place. And then today, with your feet fitted with the readiness, or actually that means the firm foundation, the, the completeness, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, what's interesting is shoes aren't even mentioned in this verse. It just was this assumption that that's what we're talking about. Paul watched that Roman soldier, and they realized that without shoes, without some sort of foundation, if this soldier is going into battle, he's going to be in a world, battle without shoes, he's going to be in a world of hurt. Now, the Roman soldier back then wore an open-toed leather. It was kind of a half boot tied to the ankles with straps. Uh, the boots had studs, or actually, kids, if you play soccer, they were actually cleats, a little bit longer than the cleats that you have. So they actually wore cleats out in battle to keep them grabbed onto the ground and to protect them from rocky debris and hot sand. When I was a kid living in Arizona, we still ran around with no shoes, feet on concrete at 110 degrees, 
not a good idea. There were a lot of times where I came in and I just, the next couple of days, I had to just be really, really careful. But that's what the shoes did. So let me ask you, though, could the soldier himself go into battle without shoes? Sure. Yeah, he could go out there. Could you go this afternoon and play a soccer tournament without shoes? Be kind of dumb, but you could do it, right? Could you be effective in doing it? Yes and no. The soccer player, the soldier, the ballerina, the runner, the mountain climber, you could still do the job, but the risk of being beaten, losing the battle, the tournament, the game, is much greater. Maybe the Vikings should start wearing shoes. (laughs) So Paul says one of the key elements in your daily battle is something that provides that firm foundation for the battle, the firm foundation when evil attacks you, and that foundation is this thing called peace. Now, what is the peace that that Paul is talking about? First, it's easy in our life, in our world, if you look around the world, it's easy for ways for us not to have peace, isn't it? You look at our world, you look at ISIS and the beheadings, the burnings, the drownings, the things that they're doing to kids. Horrible, it's evil. It's just flat out evil. Even, you know, in in, uh, our own country, Ferguson, South Carolina, most recently San Francisco murder. For some of us, you know, the Supreme Court decisions, they, they cause us to go, what's going on? Where is my, where, where's the foundation in our society, in our world? Where is that peace? All these reasons give us cause to not have peace. But one thing that is so key for you to understand, and what I want you to understand today is this, is that peace produces a proper perspective. Peace produces a proper perspective. It's the anchor of how you view life. It's the anchor of how you view people and how you describe your day-to-day reality. The reason that this is so important is because your life and my life will always be at some level of struggle. It's just the way life is. Right now, maybe for you, it's summer, right? So maybe there's more peace. You're experiencing more of a Oh, I just have more peace. The the hardest thing you're dealing with right now is trying to figure out your kid's schedule (laughs) during the summer. Or maybe for you right now, life isn't so good. You know, you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from, or you're at odds with somebody. Maybe you're transitioning first time into high school, into college. It's a scary time. And when those times happen, oftentimes we try and control our own peace. We try and dive in and create the peace. We try and do one of three things, or all of them. We try to fix it. We try to avoid it. We try to rationalize it. We try and fix it. Your child is going off the deep end, and they start to argue. They're like 13, 14 years old. And they say something, you say no, they say something, and this this escalator thing, right? You've been there, for those of you who kids, and he just goes up, 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 and then finally, especially guys, our last statement is, Because I said so, right? We take control. This is the controller in us. I want to have peace. I want to, if I can control everything, I can have peace. Maybe you try and avoid it. There's a hard conversation maybe that you need to have, difficult situation that's going to require an extra extra work, and you just put it off, and you put it off and hope that it's going to fix it 
fix it by itself. You try and fix it, you try and avoid it, you try and maybe rationalize it. And one way we do that as Christians, as Christ followers, we have these nice little cliches. It's nice little cute things to say. And if you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you're going to hear, you know, a couple of these and you go, yeah, I've heard this. So uh, some of the things that we say to try and find peace and, and rationalize hard times is, he's in a better place. I'll pray harder and things will get better. Or my favorite one is this. When God closes a door, he... See, you guys are all messed up too. So... Right? And, and some of those things are true. Some of those things are real. You know that last one, when God closes the door, he opens a window? Maybe, maybe not. But the key is, are you going to step through the window? That's a whole other sermon. Um, but we try and do these. Listen, there are times when situations when those things are good and helpful. But for long-lasting life peace that creates a proper perspective, there's one peace that you need to have. There was a time when Jesus was close to being betrayed and uh, crucified, and he was telling his disciples, he just flat out and told them, hey, son of man's going to be crucified. He's going to be handed over. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be handed over. He's going to be crucified and die. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's going to rise again on the third day. He basically lays out the game plan over the ne- of what's going to happen over the next couple of months. And the disciples, imagine you're a disciple, and you hear Jesus talking about Hey, I'm stepping into this plan that ultimately I'm going to die. And the trouble then that you as disciples are you going, are you going to experience afterwards. So that's where we pick up our verse, John 14. Jesus is talking and he realizes that his disciples are like huddled in a corner in a fetal position, rocking back and forth and crying because of what he's saying. He's just, he's just tense, you know, senses the tenseness and the, and the stress the disciples are saying. And so he says this, looks at him, and he goes, don't let your hearts be troubled. I know I told you all this stuff, you guys, but there's a bigger picture. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. And, and then he launches into this, and this is a whole other message too, because this is beautiful wedding language. My, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I was going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Where I'm going, Jesus says. I'm creating a peaceful place. Far over and above what this world can offer. I'm creating something awesome for you. And then he kind of, this is actually kind of a joke. He goes, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And it's like he goes back and does whatever he was doing. And then, you know, Thomas is like, uh, wait, 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 Jesus, hey, the Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus then chimes in and he says this amazing thing. Jesus answers, Thomas, disciples, Church, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, he doesn't say, I know the way. If you follow this formula, you're going to have peace. If you do these things, this way of living, if you, if, if you, do, if you know these truths, if you live this life, you're going to have peace. A lot of religions say that. That's not what Jesus is saying. 
Jesus is saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, and you, if you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Thomas and Philip and some of the other, they're going, I just didn't, what is he saying? So Philip goes, raises his hand and he says, Lord, show us the Father and, we'll be, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? I've been here, you've seen my miracles, you've seen what I've done, you've heard my teaching, you've even heard me say that I am, you know, I am, I am divine, I am, I am man and God. You've heard me say that. And then he says something that is such a heretical statement of the time that he would have been dropped off of all the Christian radio stations, he would have been brought up on charges by his synod and his church leadership, and he could get arrested by the Jewish leaders and, and killed for what he says. He says this, anyone who has seen the Father has seen me. He's basically saying, I am God. It would be like me standing up here and going, church, listen, listen. This Jesus thing, he was a good prophet. He did, you know, did some cool things, very celebrity, but you know what? I am God. Yeah, you guys know, you're laughing because you know me. You know, if my wife were here, she'd throw something at me because she knows me. But that's how, that's how heretical that statement would have been back then. He just called himself God. Now, in and of itself, that should have given the disciples a peace, knowing that all they, they knew about Jesus, all they knew of what he did, to some extent, you know, during the larger conversation, you know, they would have, they would have gotten peace. But they were still struggling with this. So in John 16, and, and John isn't written linear, linearly, it's written kind of in a circle. So John 16, in the midst of the conversation, he finally just says this, disciples, guys, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Not in a formula, not in all these things you have to do, not in church attendance, not in giving, not in all these different things. Yet that's good, you'll find enjoyment and fulfillment there but it's in me, in a relationship with me, that you're going to find peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. It's like he's writing today. But take heart and say this together. Ready? Go. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Church, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Duh. But take heart, find joy, find peace, because Jesus has overcome the world. On July 4th, um, for those of you who don't know, I used to be a, a campus pastor at Concordia University. July 4th, there were a group of students, half of this group I knew, they were my students when they were freshmen uh, and sophomores, and there was a group of them that went out to down to um, southern Minnesota, and they went to one of the one of the one of the group's parents lived on, on this pond. It was a pond. It wasn't a lake. It was a pond. And they all went swimming July 4th, middle of the afternoon. And they're all diving and having fun. And somebody goes, where's Devin? And everyone's looking around. Maybe he went back to the house. Somebody runs back to the house. He wasn't there. Long story short, Devin, a junior in college, drowned in a pond. 
in the midst of 13 other kids. And I'm sure there was drinking involved, but the group that I know, they're not like, woo going crazy kind of thing. And, and I, you know, I don't know the rest of the story as of yet, but his funeral was yesterday. And, I, and so um, Shelly, a friend of mine who I worked with, calls me and a couple other guys just to be on campus last week. And so I was there, and it was a weird scene. I mean, this, you know, Devin was... Devin was a leader, he was an athlete, he was music, drama, everything. He touched that school all over the place. And I'm sitting there, and his roommate walks in, Jordan. Jordan walks in and introduced, you know, I hadn't met him before. And we sit down, and we're in this circle, and no one's saying anything, which is the way it should be. It's this thing called sitting shiva, an old Jewish way of where you just sit together and you be together. It's the most beautiful thing. And Jordan is just kind of talking a little bit about Devin, and I start asking a couple questions. Tell me about Devin. You know, I, I didn't know him. You know, what's he like? And he just was there. And the whole situation reminded me of the gospel of peace because the gospel of peace is a one-size-fits-all. Jesus died for the world. One size fits all in Christ. But the application of how that plays out is varied all through your life. Sometimes God will give you peace in little ways, sometimes in bigger ways. But the point is this. Greater is he that's in you than he's, that's in the world. Knowing Christ personally, that's your peace. Devin was a believer. Everybody said that, knew that. He talked about it. Suppose, and I guess he was a great guy. And he's with his Savior now. That's peace. We struggle on this side of it. He's with his Savior. That's peace. From that peace comes strength. And from that strength comes confidence. And from that confidence, you know that no matter what storms rock your boat, no matter what lies are told about you, what obstacles the devil puts in front of you, what mental and emotional attacks your flesh rages in your spirit, you have an anchor for your soul, and that anchor is Jesus Christ. Not a teaching of Jesus, Jesus Christ himself. If you're struggling in a job right now and you're ready to pull your hair out, go back to the foundational peace that no matter what, Jesus is your Savior. If you have a teenager who's beginning to push the limits of your sanity because they've lost theirs, go back to your foundational peace. If you feel hopeless, broken, attacked, and flat out exhausted emotionally, go back to your foundational peace. Go back to Jesus. Go back to the source. Go back to who he says you are. Go back to your future. This should be a movie. Go back to your future, and your future is in heaven because of Jesus. What could this world do to you? Your peace, your feet, rooted, grounded, fitted with the gospel of Jesus. The truth that you're saved. You're a child of the king. And Jesus himself is telling you, I have overcome this world. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray.
Lord, I don't know where this uh, message hits um, people as they're, they're hearing it, either online or here in the room, um, or at ed- any of the campuses, um, but I would just pray that your Holy Spirit would just use that last statement that, you have over- that Jesus has overcome the world, and so I have peace because of what Jesus has done for me. Father, now as, as we experience that peace, um, as Isaiah said and Romans says, you know, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news to people. And Father, I would just pray that all of us in here would have beautiful feet because we are ambassadors of peace, the peace that's only found in Christ. So thank you, God, for that peace. Thank you for this armor that you've given to us and the foundation that we stand upon, which is your truth, which is Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.